0: For today, I want you to know I have left encouraged after every meeting. Okay, um, with something I can do better as a helper. Um, our panel topic is based on being a helper as a woman. Pastor Sean gave us this, this direction. Um, since we have an all-female group, he wanted to focus in on something that we all need to be doing, and that's being a helper.
1: Okay, so I'm going to read the helper sheet that everyone
0: has in their folder. So if you go ahead and get that out, this will help preface our discussion. And then we'll pray to get started, okay? All right. The helper. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Genesis 2, verse 18. In Genesis 2, God states that it is not good that the man should be alone, and God makes an easier friend. The Hebrew word "Ezer" is translated as "helper" in the ESV or "help me" in the KJV. The word is used twice in the chapter and then throughout the Old Testament to refer to God as Israel's helper. And in most cases, it is God who helps deliver the people, being the snow, delivering the people. So sorry. Of God from their enemies, Exodus eighteen four. In Hosea thirteen nine, God describes Himself as Israel's helper. Nothing is demeaning about being described as a helper when Yahweh himself is the primary helper. The word does not carry the baggage of inferiority or subservience. There aren't any negative connotations associated with Ezer in Hebrew. Psalms 146.5 says, How blessed is the one whose helper is the God of Jacob. Help is to give assistance or support. For Adam, there needed to be someone to assist or support him who corresponded with him. Thus, God put Adam into a deep sleep and formed the first woman from a rib from Adam's side. At this point, God has created one man and one woman, two genders. Everything that is needed to be fruitful and multiply is present in these two. The woman corresponds to the man. She will be Adam's lifetime helper. She is the wife God chose for Adam. Women marry men, and men marry women. The helper God made for Adam was not another male. When God saw when Adam saw Eve, he knew without any instruction from God that she was perfect for him. She was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, yet she wasn't a man, but she was from the man. This one was from a man, but utterly different. This one should be called woman. Two, <clears throat> chapter two, verse twenty-three. Adam was in love. <clears throat> it is not until chapter three that the woman is called Eve. The name Eve highlights explicitly the fact that the woman is a mother. Chapter 3, verse 20. Eve is a woman, Adam's wife, and in chapter 4, she is pregnant with Cain. Wife and mother highlight two essential roles women play in a flourishing society, but not the only roles. The description of the ideal wife in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 is incredible. She helps her husband, children, and neighbors. She is provider and protector. She is brilliant, wise, thrifty, and industrious. She considers a field and buys it from her own income. She plans a vineyard, verse 16. The woman has a life in her household and outside of it. Judges 4-4 describes Deborah as a prophetess, a wife and a judge of Israel. In the New Testament, women have instrumental roles in the ministry of Christ. If the Son of God is going to hang on a tree for the sins of humans, He must be a human, requiring that He be born of a woman. Women serve as helpers in Jesus' adult ministry. Luke 8-3 records that Joanna and Susanna helped Jesus financially while being wives and probably mothers. Matthew 27, 55-56 records that there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and there the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The words ministering to him describe helping Jesus. They were Jesus' helpers. These helpers were the first to see the empty tomb and hear the message that Christ rose from the grave. Luke 28. Women helped their husbands, their children, each other. Their church, their neighbors, and society as a whole. Adam was alone, and it was not good. So God made a helper corresponding to him. In John 14, Jesus is prepping the disciples for his imminent departure from the earth, and he lets them know he will not leave them alone. They will not be orphans. Jesus is going to ask the Father to give the disciples a parakletos (Greek). From both the ESV and NASB, translate this word as helper. <laughs> The strong Greek lexicon states that the word Perikletos is the broadest sense, in the broadest sense. is a helper, succor. I'm saying that wrong. Aider and assistance, an assistant. The Holy Spirit is to the disciple of Christ what the woman is to the husband, the family, the church, and society. Acts 18:26 records that when Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Priscilla helped her husband disciple Apollos. Women help in the church in a myriad of roles except for the office of elder and deacon, Verse Timothy three. Nothing in the Bible prohibits women from working outside of the home, and nothing in scripture specifically identifies occupation and careers women in particular cannot pursue. Truly the man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs eighteen twenty two. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for these ladies that are up here on the stage. Thank you for the ladies that are in the pews. Bless this time. Pray that you ask to help calm the speakers' nerves and open the ears and hearts that are listening. It's In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to the panel. Okay. We're going to start off by having each lady, each panelist, share a bit about yourself and
2: your current season. So, Charlotte, let's start off. My name is Charlotte Patterson. I am wife to Kaiser Patterson. I have nine grandchildren, and um, we are still raising three of our original five that we were raising. Um, We also raise chickens and ducks, and we have a little micro-farm, and um, that usually starts from April through November. And I am currently now a fourth-grade teacher for Berean Baptist Academy.
3: My name is Bonnie Silcox. My husband and I have been married for 17 years and um, we are a we have five children aging um, ranging from age almost 13 down to two and we are a military family and we have been stationed at Fort Bragg since 2015 and um, at Berean since 2016. I was saved later in life at the age of 28 and have been walking with the Lord now almost 14 years. So if you're good with mental math,
1: yeah, I'm 41. <laughs> um, my name is Brooke Rogers. I've been married for three months. <laughs> Zero kids. That's great. Um, I work at Brigham part-time. I do morning care, and then I help the K-5 teachers. That's about it. And your military oh, wife. Oh, yeah, I'm a military wife. We're still learning
4: that part. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Marlene Paislet. I'm in my late 40s, and I came here from Europe in 2013. I am a nurse and graduated nursing school in the year of 2000. I grew up in a non-Christian home with a lazy upbringing. I was allowed almost everything, and was encouraged by my parents that the world is a playground and to have fun. With that upbringing, then, I did almost everything a parent does not want a teen or a young adult to do. The irony, my parents sent me to Catholic church every Sunday until I was in middle school. I am pretty sure I was sent to church to get out of the hair for a while. My parents, on the other hand, never went. I then sat there weekly for years in this Catholic church with about 90% of women dressed in black and felt quite lost. The sermon sounded all the same and I never got anything out of it. I denounced Christ, God, and any form of religion at the age of 14. I have been a very turbulent lifestyle, but eventually got saved in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Um, tell us a bit more about your season, Charlotte. Was it expected, unexpected, and unexpected? How have you come to terms with it, and how do you feel about it
2: now? Very unexpected. Very <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> um my husband and I, when we got married, this is my second marriage. My first husband passed away. So when I married um, Kaiser, we decided we wanted to have our house open for families in transition. So it could have been um, married uh, married couples. Um, so we have had that. We have had uh, young people over the age of 21. We've had teenagers, but we never thought that we would have our own grandchildren. And so, um, after much prayer and discussion, we felt, all of us um, that were involved, um, felt that it was best that after the breakup of my son and his wife, that um, it was better for the kids to grow up in a two-parent home. And, um, <clears throat> wow. When they were young, um, we got them, our oldest, kinder was in fifth grade. Maylene was only three and a half, so she wasn't even in school yet. And so everything was super, it was awesome. Um, We did so many things together. It was like um, we were both, my husband and I, looking through rose-colored glasses. But then one day, they hit teenagehood, (laughs) and it's like somebody ripped those rose-colored glasses off my face And all I could see were aliens in my home. And I'm like, where did these people come from? And at that point in my life, I'm like, Lord, I never thought. Because I raised three sons, and I never had any girls. So that was really new um, for teen girls. And it took a lot of prayer. Um, It also not only took prayer, but allowing others to speak into our life to help us and also um, just physically helping us as well.
3: Great, Bonnie, same question. So the current season I'm in right now, you would find me um, mostly in my home serving, um, serving my husband, serving my kids, I uh, homeschool my kids, um, serving other sisters in Christ, and serving ladies in the church. And, um, you know, i I always thought I would be a wife and a mother, um, those things for sure, but if you were to zoom out, um, eight to ten years, there's really nothing expected about this season for me, um, I really, I have settled into it now, but, you know, if I were to go back in time a little ways, not much of this is expected at all, like I said, I always thought I'd be a wife and mother, but I planned to work, I was going to work, um, I did work, I had a very fulfilling career, I loved it, um, I was good at it, I loved being out there, but, um, you know, but God, um, he, I felt like he really asked me to um, give it up and to stay home and to quit work and stay home with my kids. And um, when he did that, at first, I felt like he was asking me to give all this stuff up, give up the career, give up the, the money, give up the identity, give up the sort of sense of pride that went with it. And um, that's how it felt at first. Um, and I did that. I did. I gave it up. But... As I kind of worked through that process, he, it really felt like he was stripping it off of me, stripping off my identity as being my career and my, I, my identity as being those different things. And the longer I settled into being at home with my children, I really realized what he was asking of me um, and what he was saying to me was, I'm not asking you to give this up. What I'm doing um, is saying to you, I have something different for you and it's for your good. Um, And so, you know, three more kids later and um, a bunch of farm animals and a 15-passenger van later, um, you know, I can definitively say it has been for my good. Um, This season has been one of sanctifying service. It has been one where I have been able to pour into my husband's life, pour into my children's life, pour into other people's children, um, and pour into the women of this church Um, And I'm just, I'm super grateful for it. Um, I know it's not everybody's story, but this is mine.
1: Um, I expected my season, I knew one day I'd be called to be a wife. And it is still very new. It's only been three months. So figuring out how to be a wife, how to take care of our home when he is gone most of the days, it's just very new but I did expect to be alive one day and I'm happy that it's here.
4: Well, this season in my life, I would consider me to late autumn, if you're comparing a current walking life to a season, so way past midlife crisis. I'm yeah. a mother to 10, three biological and seven adopted, with children number five, six and seven reaching adulthood sometime during this year, which leaves three minors in the home, which come in form of teenagers. I also have three grandbabies, the age of those. Prior to my salvation, I never wanted any children. I thought they were a virgin and annoying, but God had other plans and blessed me with a few. I homeschooled for a few years, but mainly the children spent or still are spending their schooling years at a private Christian school. Sadly, about four years ago, I unexpectedly found myself in the middle of a divorce and consequently I became a single mom. It took a
0: while to adjust to the new life situation, but I found contentment and healing in our Lord. Thank you for
3: sharing that, ladies. All right, Bonnie, I'm going to ask you this. As a Christian woman, why is it
0: so important for us to be a helper and find
3: joy in it? It's important for us to be a helper because that's what God designed us to be. And all of the people that he's put in our lives need us to do it. You know, as Christian women, as Christian girls, a lot of times we say we believe that God is in charge, and if we do believe that God is in charge, then he's in charge as the designer, too. He got to make us with a purpose in mind, and that purpose was helper. You know, Isaiah 45 says, does the clay say to the potter, you know, why are, what are you making? And, um, you know, sometimes I, I give this example with my boys about obedience, and I will say, you know, if you've... Dragged your Lego tray out and you're making this awesome Lego creation and you're gonna make a great Lego fire truck and you've made it red and it says fire truck on the side and you've added a hose and sirens to it, and then that fire truck whips around and looks at you and says, I don't wanna be a fire truck. I wanna be a motorcycle and feel the wind in my hair. You know, I mean you would look at the fire truck and say, Too bad. We oh weo weo weo, you know? Like you made it a fire truck. And a lot of times I think that's what we do with god we say i don't want to be the fire truck i want to feel the wind in my hair i want to be the motorcycle you know but he is gracious he doesn't say too bad to us he says you know daughter i made you for this purpose you weren't made to feel the wind in your hair you were made to put fires out and the people in our lives need us to do that and so i think how we find joy in it is Christian women will never find joy fighting the design of their creator. But I assure you, if you embrace it, you will.
0: So true. Okay, Melanie. God calls himself a helper.
4: How does that change how you look at the role of helper? Well, I think the helper is an honorable position. I am not sick or incapable of helping. God allows me to function as a helper, his help. God's word is full of promises about God being our helper. And his word also tells us about people crying out for to our God for help. For example, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is my helper, the upholder of my life. I lift my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. But the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father has sent in my name will teach you and many more. I'd like to focus a minute on the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent. With the Holy Spirit in us and guiding us, He will allow and show us and nudge us to see who needs spoken to or helped. I need to let God work through me and not be in the way of His plans or doings. To narrow it down and to put it in a nutshell, God the Creator of it all is a Helper, our Helper. And we, if we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and are an extension of Him, what better place can we be than in obedience with the Lord and work for and alongside Him? Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Melanie, I'm coming back to you. I'm sorry, that was.
4: Thank you for that. Okay,
0: next question. Um, how are you a helper as a mother?
4: Well, every day my flesh gets in the way and I must work with the Holy Spirit to find the right words to guide and bring my children. I can rely on His help throughout my daily parenting and child-day. For example. After one of the kids tested their limits again, the Holy Spirit would gently nudge and instruct. Now, oh, with a soft voice, you need to take your child aside and pray with him and guide, guide him back and show mercy and be loving. My flesh, on the other hand, wants to yell at my child, are you stupid? You have grounded for 100 years, and you go <laughs> out of your phone to the dogs. I have <laughs>
1: so accomplish nothing, but driven a
4: deeper wedge between the relationship of my child." Us moms need to be in touch and to with the Holy Spirit to adequately wear these children's ours, and then reach out for help to other moms, the ones that have been there, have done it, and are going through it right now. I had to reach out many times for help and humbly ask, could you please take my child for an hour? I need to pull cool off. Or, hey, I'm struggling with the behavior of one of my children, and I recall that you mentioned a while ago that you have gone through something similar. Can I vent? and can we pray? We are not long-rangers in this parenting thing. To put it in a nutshell again, stay close to Him and take counsel and guidance from His Word to help your children reach their full potential spiritually, academically, and emotionally. Mm. I like that you said first seek
0: the Holy Spirit and then find someone else who can help you because, yeah, we are not alone in it. Bonnie. Um, This is going to go to Bonnie, Brooke, and then Charlotte. So, Bonnie, you first. How are you a helper as a wife? What are some practical ways you help at these areas, or in this area?
3: So I have kind of three real basics for you. Um, I think the first one for me is I try to um, anticipate my husband's basic needs and then meet them before they even arise for him. So he's, you know, he's just like the rest of us. He's going to need clean, coat, cl- clean clothes. He's going to need food. He's going to need all those sorts of basic things taken care of. And so... Um, I try to make sure those things are, are squared away for him. You know, he gets up at four o'clock every morning and so we don't run out of coffee. You know, he likes to, you know, I try to have those basic things. And then also on top of that, over the years, I've tried to learn how he likes those things done particularly and kind of do them that way. And so he, um... You know, he likes all the super smelly laundry detergent stuff, y'all. I mean, my husband likes to smell like game thinks a tropical rainforest smells like. (laughs) And so I don't love that stuff, but he does. So that's what I buy. Um, That's what we have. And so those are just like some simple, super basic things. You know, maybe your husband likes a fresh towel every day. Maybe he likes a pair of slippers by the bed girls. Maybe your mom likes her coffee this way. You know, maybe your brothers need help in that way. These are all simple things that you can learn, um, how to do and to meet those needs, but specifically for the wife. Um, and if you don't know, ask him, make it a regular habit to ask him, you know, how can I help you this week? How can I help you this month? How can I help you in this season? Um, it might be something as simple as, you know, he needs, maybe things are really stressful at his job. He needs like a night off once a month. So like, go play basketball or go to the shooting range or, like, get together with his buddies. You know, maybe you could take something off his plate and take over the finances um, or something else like that. You know, maybe this one kind of cuts deep for me, but maybe it's something I can take off of my plate so that our family's calendar is not quite so full and there's, like, some built-in white space there because I know that's a tremendous help to my husband if we're not so busy and not feeling... um, So rushed all of the time. So that's kind of my first one. Know what his basic needs are and meet them. Uh, My next one is pray. I mean, we know we're supposed to do this, but do we do it is really the issue. Pray for your husband's wives. Like, fight the battle on your knees for him. I mean, we have the privilege as daughters of the king of kings to go to the throne of grace for our husbands, for what they need, for where they're struggling, and, and, and we need to be doing that. Um, and then the last one I would say is you know I'll be delicate based on the, the ages of the ladies in the room, but but wife there isn't one particular way you can minister to your husband that no one else on the entire earth can, um, and so if you don't neglect that, um, he needs that ministering. Minister unto him in that way. Um, it's a lot of fun. You won't regret it. But um, you know
1: you can help him in that way. So want a. I help in a couple of ways. I'm fortunate to be done with work around 12 in the afternoon so I can go home. And a lot of times i rather take a nap, but I clean the house or cook or go to the store or just anything I can do to help him just come home and not feel so stressed out about everything that we have to do. Because a lot of days are long and hard, and he just started school, so most of the time he comes home and does schoolwork. And so a way that I help him is just take care of the things that I can do around the house so he doesn't have to when he gets home. Charlotte? Um, I, I didn't learn
2: this until um, I married Kaiser, um, is that I can help out by setting the tone of my home. So when I get up in the morning, if I don't pray, if I had a bad um, night where I didn't sleep very well, I can't come out of the bedroom and be cranky and grouchy and, you know, rushing the kids, even if we happen to oversleep. But setting the tone for my home really helps my husband out. Um, It helps the kids out. Um, And I have noticed at times when I've had Um, been sick, you know, just basic cold or something like that, I notice how everybody else acts in the house, oh yeah, like I think I'm coming down with something too. But just setting the tone really helps with the whole day. Um, The second thing um, my husband and I recognize that we both have strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm good at very fine details on things. Um, I don't know if you've ever whoever knows Kaiser, noticed his eyes. Um, he has a, a disease that he was born with with his eyes, so he can't see little tiny details. So when we're outside building our chicken coops, he comes out like, he man, you know, I can pick up this, and I can nail this in for you, and I got all of that. But when it comes to screwing it in, I have to actually direct him where it's at. And I feel good about it because it's something that we can do together. So we try to recognize in other areas where we have strength and weaknesses and um, we trade those off. And then that way our hope flows a lot better.
0: i got a follow-up question, Charlotte. Was there someone who modeled being a good helper to you that you looked up to?
2: Absolutely. Um, I come from a large uh, family, and um, meaning that Your aunts, your uncles, everybody was part of your family, not just your sister or sisters or brothers. So growing up, my older sisters, my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, they were my example for almost everything in my life, how to dress, how to cook, how to clean, and even to serve others. Um, It didn't matter whose house you went to. It was always an open house, full of hospitality, hospitality. And the the best part about it was, um, as young people, young girls, we didn't even know we were helping out. Um, And it was because there was always um, hot butter biscuits, cornbread, on the stove with um, jam or uh, some kind of something that someone preserved. Plus, there was always hot coffee and iced tea in the refrigerator. And as we're going through our day with cooking or cleaning or serving others, um, there was always lots of stories from my aunts, from my mother, about when they were young, how they got in trouble, when they snuck out. They lived in the country, so they would sneak out in the woods where there was a big bright moon and just hang out there. Um, it was always so nice to hear the story. So you're going through these tasks, and you didn't even know you know, that that's what you're doing. You're serving, you're helping, you're cleaning. Even when it came down to the little ones, um, everybody, all the children belong to everybody. So changing a diaper, playing with the baby. We would play with the baby while maybe the older ones were changing the diaper. We would sing whatever song we knew and of course, we try to outdo each other. And so it was so much fun. And um, I just loved um, being a part of that. The time would fly by, and before you knew it, it was time to go home, and we didn't want to go home. And um, so it, it's just like they've always been my good role models, and that's how I try to be with my grandchildren and my sons.
0: Ouch, so you can make being a helper look appealing <laughs> by yes. just being joyful and doing it. You <laughs> do. Okay, all right, so, all right, Brooke, I'm gonna come to you. Some are more naturally gifted at being helpers. Is that you? If not,
1: how has God equipped you in this role? I would say yes. I always have been a helper. I like helping my mom cook or clean. I was the youngest, so just getting that little bit of time with my mom was nice. One of the stories I know she's going to remember, and there's probably embarrassing pictures somewhere, but... Um, I used to love getting in my bathing suit and washing the dishes and she would just let me go for hours spraying the water everywhere, making a mess, half washing the dishes, half just playing in the water. And just times like that I always remember helping my mom. <laughs> I don't
0: know if that'd be helpful to your mom now. So I don't do that girls, but I do know wearing a bathing suit as an adult while you're washing dishes and help I'm out. out later. So <laughs> Favorite and least favorite part of being a helper, and how has the Lord worked through that?
2: My favorite part is um, when you see the fruit of the person or people that you're um, pouring into their lives, planting seeds, when you can see the change. Um, I've had some that received Christ, so the salvation of it. Um, And the growth, just watching them grow and being able to do the same for someone else. And it's just so amazing because some of those people are here at this church. And I know it's not me, but God using me. And it's so exciting. Very, very exciting. The hard part is when you're pouring into some and you don't see growth not even right away, maybe not even six months down the line and you feel like you want to quit and you want to give up um, but that is not God's plan because he didn't give up with us, Mm -hmm. so it is not our job to save people or um, to do any of those things we expect in our time frame, but it is our job to do as Matthew 28 says, you know, it says um, Go and make disciples. You know, you, you have to tell them, you have to plant that in, in them, but it doesn't say, go and save them. And so, if we just follow God's command of the doing, He uh, will bring the rest to pass. And so, that was my best seeing the fruit, and just especially right away. And it was my worst when you have to wait.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, Melanie.
0: How do you raise helpers? Your are 10, so I know you have some pro tips. What well, are they? Raise <laughs> well, some helpers?
4: Well, first off, lead by example. Encourage them, guide them, volunteer, be persistent, remind, assign, and have expectations. Reward good helping behavior. Nudge a little bit and speak out loud. Oh, my friend so-and-so is not feeling too well today. How do you think we can help them? And they usually come up with several ideas on how we could be of help. Often kids perceive that helper is the lower rank in a hierarchy. We have to explain to them that helping is a good thing and has nothing to do with not being in charge. We have to point them back to scripture and remind them that even God is a helper. The reward for being obedient to our Lord and to function as a helper is an honor and brings peace and contentment. Putting ourselves in the role of a helper also shows that we strive to be Christ-like, which should be the ultimate goal for each of us child or adult. One piece of mind that I think may be a huge hindrance to raise health and is when we as the adult instruct our children to do chores and then we as the parents sit on the sofa and do nothing but dictate them around. That I think is a huge turn-off for kids wanting to become children to help us. I can only highly encourage that when the children do chores that we as the parent are right in the middle of it as well, working alongside with them and of course vice versa. My kids were never allowed to sit on their church when others doing chores and slaving available in the home. Also, we as mothers need to raise helpmates fit for their spouses because ultimately that will be the role in marriage. And I think Bonnie would like to elaborate. Yeah, so Bonnie, I know your baby
3: is still little,
0: but how
3: are you raising <coughs> Lily to be a future
0: helpmate?
3: I am new to, to raising daughter, she's two. Um but a lot of the same principles apply to how I've tried to raise my sons to be ready to um, to be heads of households. And so really, to me, the first thing is you have to teach them the what. You know, what does this mean to be a helpmate to your husband? And, you know, moms, you're already here, so you're off to a good start, um, you know, kind of trying to be intentional about teaching some of these things to your daughters. Because the world is going to tell them one thing. This is what being a wife looks like. You know, they're going to get it from TV and movies and books and online and influencers. And, you know, being a Christian life is something completely different. And we have to teach them what that really is. Um, You know, I think we also have to teach them the why. Why are we doing it different than the world? And we've talked about that already kind of in the design. You know, we're doing it differently because God designed us with his purpose in mind. And it's our job to fill his purpose, um, not to kind of rewrite it. You know, I think we have to model the how for them, and we talked a little bit about that. I think, you know, many of us gave our tips on, on you know, how, how you be a helpmate to your husband, but we have to model that how for them, and then explain and teach, and explain and teach, and explain and teach. You know, I'm going to have a 1,000 opportunities with Libby by my feet doing laundry. And then as she gets older, dragging, well, she's already dragging her basket, but, you know, doing the laundry herself. And, and a 1,000 and times well, she'll be in the grocery store with me buying the laundry detergent, I can take that one tiny moment and explain to her why we buy the super smelly stuff, <laughs> or I can let it go by. I, I mean, I can take that tiny moment that can be multiplied over her whole lifetime and say, this is why Mama does it this way to be a help me to your dad and these are the types of things that you're that you can bless your husband with one day too and so you know showing them this is how I walk it out Um, the other thing too is to use biblical language I mean the language is helper use that language all the time in your homes you know and praise helping a lot like what Melanie said you know it starts out when they're young and you're a great helper, you know, but somewhere between two and fifteen, that doesn't sound great anymore, and we need to change that. That's God word you know his words and we need that needs to be a good thing. Um, you know, really genuinely looking at your daughters when they've come alongside of you and helped you, and say, "You know, I couldn't have done this without you. Your input was vital. Your your physical working of a task was vital here. Like, thank you for your help in, in, in whatever we've accomplished here." So, using that biblical language too, I think is helpful. And praising praising them and praising helpers. Yes,
0: helper, being a helper is a good thing. I think yeah. Uh, I think we learned that off this panel. It's a good thing, ladies. Good thing. All right, so Charlotte, um, how do you prepare yourself to be a helper? I know we have lots of young ladies in the audience. Um, what can they start doing now to prepare?
2: Um, watch someone godly that you admire. Look at their talents. Um, look at their service. Because you, you want to um, emulate someone that's em- emulating Christ. Um, You can pray and ask God to put people in your life if you don't have any because, you know, not everybody is surrounded by godly people. So you can pray and ask God to do that. You can get involved in your church, um, see what they're doing, where do they need help. Um, There's so many things um, that go on here, um, whether it's the blankets, you know, making blankets, um, whether it's nursery helping out, you know, to wipe a nose. Um, there's so many things. They even ask for help for setting up things, taking down things. I mean, there's so many opportunities to get involved in your church. And then encourage your friends to do it with you. I mean, you might have a desire, especially as young people. I know my granddaughter, Maylene, she's the youngest 12, but she tells me how she how She's always trying to get her friends that are here to do things With her and that Really helps buddy up with your friends And encourage them uh, to do Service as well and I'm pretty sure You know that they're going to Play and laugh and talk about Things and before you know it The time goes by and um, And then also remember um, What it says in Colossians three twenty three. and I'm Paraphrasing it everything You do all that you do, do it unto the Lord and not unto men. So, if you remember, whether you're in the home helping or outside of the house or you're young, old in between, everything you do is done unto the Lord.
0: So, just a recap, man, ladies so know who you are in Christ, find a mentor, and then serve in the church. Those are three ways to. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brooke. Think back and name a time you didn't think your parents'
1: decision was right, but later it was best for you in the end. Can mom say So there's one example or one story that always comes to mind. Um, I was 18, newly 18, and like every other 18-year-old, they think they're an adult now and know everything, and um, they don't. And... <laughs> I was invited to go up to college with my friend For the weekend to just hang out and experience college and my mom advised me to pray about it and think about it and she knew She knew more than I did. She's older than me. So she's experienced and I was like, I'm gonna do what I want I'm 18 you don't know anything and so she was like just pray about it and I don't think it's the best decision, but you are an adult, and so just pray about it. And I didn't, and I should have. And a lot of things happened on that trip that I regret, or that just stayed with me for the rest of my life. And I just wish I took my mom's advice and prayed about it, and I didn't. So sometimes your parents do know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. All the time. All the time. All right. Um, All right.
0: Bonnie, in today's culture,
3: why is it important to define femininity and how can we as Christian women live that out? Uh, You know, the question is why is it important to define femininity in today's culture? Um, We do a lot of thinking and praying on this, and the truth is, I really don't think that it is. I don't think that it is important to define femininity in today's culture. Femininity, in the way I think the question is being asked, is a modern concept. Um, God created male and female. And those distinctions are important, incredibly important. You know, God is concerned between the distinction between male and female. And he made us, in this room, female And he made us female fully expecting us to embrace that, to embrace being female, to embrace the roles and the expectations that are communicated in the Bible that are associated with being female, you know, like mother, like helper, like wife, those roles that we have been talking about here today. You know, he did not create us female expecting us to reject it. We are to fully embrace that. And, I mean, to kind of keep with my Lego truck analogy, you know, he didn't make us the fire truck to wish we were the motorcycle. He didn't make us the fire truck so that we could rip pieces of pieces of ourselves off to look more like the fire truck. Pardon me, the motorcycle. I'm <laughs> getting my analogy mixed up. You know, but the how, the how, every woman walks that out, every Holy Spirit-led woman walks that out is going to be, you know, in conjunction with the spirit and in wisdom is going to be different based on her different talents and her different gifts and you know if we're talking about a young girl who doesn't have the holy spirit yet then it's obviously going to be proper for her parents to step in and set proper boundaries on some of these issues you know but i think in this area what we've really done is man has embraced tradition Or man has embraced someone's interpretation of what female or woman looks like as femininity. And unfortunately, you know, even in the church, we keep trying to nail down what it looks like. And what we really do is kind of get ensnared in legalism or start adding to the Bible. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times the goal in that is just to make ourselves look or feel good that we're the ones doing it right. You know, because if I was push to define it and the reason I'm hesitant to do that is what would I fill in the blanks with other than what God has said in his word you know would I say it's a certain haircut or a certain hair length what I say you could have this job but not that job or no job at all what I say that you know you have to wear makeup or of course you can't wear makeup or you can only have these hobbies or you know where do we draw the line he has drawn the bounds in scripture and so it's really a heart issue you know are we fully embracing that God has made us female? Are we fully embracing the roles he expects us to fulfill as females, as outlined in Scripture? Or are we rejecting those in our heart, you know, whether we've got makeup on or not?
0: Good stuff. Thanks for that. All right. I'm going to go back to you, Melanie. and then I'll, I'm Sorry, I'll go back to you, Bonnie, and then I'll go to Melanie. All right, Bonnie, um, thinking of Titus 2, I have this typed up. Anyway, so we're thinking of the Titus 2 scripture when this question is being asked. But why is the world's view of submission so negative? And how can we teach our daughters and other women that submission is a good thing designed by God? And how can we practice this when we are not married?
3: Me first. Okay, back on. Um, okay, um, why is the world's view of submission so negative? Okay, the, well, the world's view of submission is negative because they don't know Christ. I mean, they don't know Christ. They're lost. All proper submission is based on submission to God, that Christ led by example in that for us. And, you know, the world is, is lost. I, I was so guilty of this, power-grabbing for themselves and, and not trusting anyone else and caught up in this idea of I have to get my own. I mean, I was 28 when I was saved. I was, that was my absolute perspective. Why would I trust anyone else? You know, all submission, all proper submission is going to be based on submission to God. And it all comes from trusting his promises. You know, if we teach submission, if we're going to teach submission, we have to teach over and over that God is a promise-keeping God. We have to teach our girls what those promises are over and over. We have to teach our girls how he's fulfilled them in the past and how he will fulfill them in the future. Um, You know, it all comes from submission to God. And so, you know, if the boss comes in with a new decision and you don't like it, you can submit because you trust Christ. You know, when your husband rolls out a new plan for your family and it isn't the way you'd have done it, You can trust Christ and submit to that decision. You know, when the elders announce a new vision for the church and you think, okay, maybe that's not how I would have done it. You can submit and trust Christ. Assuming all of those things are within the bounds of scripture, you can submit. And, you know, we have to talk to our girls about sometimes that's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, submission is not a result of the fall. But the fact that it's hard is. And I think we have to talk that out with them. I think we have to um, show them and model to them when we mess it up how, how, you know, I didn't do that right. You know, I have been unfortunately guilty of doing that in front of my children to my, hus- to my husband and, and, and speaking out of turn. And we kind of have a rule in our marriage. If it's a public sin, it's a public um, apology. public apology. You know, if I have spoken out of turn in front of my children um, towards my husband, then I need to be apologizing and making, making that reconciliation in front of them so that they understand the proper order. Um, you know, I, I think another thing that helps teach that submission is to build up authority figures. You know, this starts super young with our girls. You can't, you know, they can be splashing around in the waiting pool at the, at the pool and the lifeguard blows the whistle, you know, it's your kid and you kind of, oh, you know, and if they're watching you. You know, if you're like, "Mm -mm, I can't believe that lifeguard just called my girl down, you know, you've just undercut authority just that quickly. You know, this starts with do you respect their coaches? Do you respect their teachers? Do you respect the authority in their lives? And are you teaching them to do the same thing? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you're undercutting that authority, then you are, you know, if, if the pastors roll out the new plan, and then you're grumbling, either under your breath or not under your breath. You know, to your family, you are not setting um, the example for submission. You know, the last thing I would really say about that is um, women, girls especially, you have, to, you have to surround yourself with other women and with sisters and with friends who will encourage you towards doing this. Because it can be hard. You know, Your husband can say, this is the plan, and you're not so sure about it. And then, you know, you, you're you struggling with an area of submission and you go to seek counsel with your friends. And if your friends are of the world and they're not going to be iron sharpening iron for this on you, that's going to make it more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, one real quick story, you know, that where I really would have um, missed out on a blessing. An example I can be able to share and talk this out with my daughter as she gets older is, you know, a couple years ago we decided to buy a new house. And my husband really... Um, we found a house, and he loved it. It's out in the country. It was a big move from sort of city life to the country life for us, and I, the truth is I never would have done it. I just I just would have never done it, and it was his plan for our family. It was his vision, and, you know, if it would left up to me, I would never have done it, and so I can say to my daughter as she's growing up, you know, what a blessing that that that's the decision your dad made for our family and that I cheerfully submitted to that because she's growing up now this country girl with all these animals, you know, and the whole thing is she, she could have missed that tremendous blessing in her life. And so those are simple ways to talk that out with them.
0: You also never know who you're going to bless while doing that because she's my neighbor. And, well, not neighbor compared to what she was before, and it's been a blessing to live closer to her. Um, Melanie, same question for you. Why is the world's deal of submission so negative? How can we teach our daughters and other women that submission is a good thing designed by God? And how can we practice this when we are not married?
4: Well, due to the fall and sin in the world, women not to sell them, and in an unscriptural manner designed to be like men or a men. God said to the woman, I will break you more to your pain and childbearing, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. As with so many parts in scripture, our flesh wants to go against and what God instructs us to do, we like to rebel. The unbeliever more than the believer. At today's world view and about, about equality, our young people are getting sidetracked and lured in by the world and its unbiblical views. Mm. Having the man as the head of the house and ruling appears archaic okay to the majority of this generation. We are told that women can do any job just as well as men. We are raised with the mindset that women can be leaders in the home, just like the husband. Women may perceive that they are second-class citizens if they are not on the same leading level as their husband. We have to guide our generation and children to the basic principles or back to the basic principles on how God has designed them. We ought to encourage them that their marriage will be blessed when they follow the God-instructed and ordained hierarchy of God, husband, wife, children. We as women need to lead by example in our home. Our girls are watching us. As for the unmarried and divorced, Christ is
0: our husband and leader, and we need to submit to him for now. Charlotte, sometimes we as women have a hard time saying no. Um, When is it okay to say
2: no, and is it okay to have a season of rest? It is okay to say no. (laughs) It is. Um, You have to be careful, because I am so guilty of this, not to fall into the role of a people pleaser or an enabler. Um, People pleasing at the times when you know you have so much on your plate and you really can't do it, but you do it anyway because you want that person to be happy. And then after it's done, whatever it may be, giving somebody a ride, um, helping them to uh, go pick up groceries, whatever it, it may be, And then you're on your way home, and you're grumbling and mumbling the whole time, whether it's to someone else or to God. Lord, I can't believe this and that, and I'm so tired, and this and that and the other thing. So being a people pleaser will burn you out. Mm -hmm. And being an enabler will do the same thing. But I see that as more of a spiritual thing, and I'll tell you why. When I first moved here, um, Kaiser and I, we were just getting started um, to get a home and, you know, do all those things um, that you need to do to get the lights turned on and blah, blah, blah. And I remember it was around Christmas time because I came here actually um, the day before Thanksgiving. So um, it was just before Christmas time and my oldest son, him and his wife, they were still together. And he was, you know, telling me, like, Mom, this is really going to be a tight year, you know. And the kids were very little, very, very little. And um, he's like, we don't have this and we don't have that. And then the mom in me, my heart broke. I was like, okay, what can I do? But there really wasn't anything that I could do. I mean, money was tight for all of us. And um, I remember going to God and praying about it. I called myself, praying for, you know, their family. But I was actually grumbling to God, saying, See, Lord, you know, why did I have to come down here at this time? And yes, I was happy that, you know, I was married. But I'm like, why at this time? And I don't have any money to help my son, and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, I'm just really going off. And finally, when I finished spilling out everything, I just sat there because I'm like, Okay, I got that all out. And then quietly, I didn't hear anything, but in my spirit came, okay, so you wanted to help your children, so you would rather for them to run to you instead of running to me, and at that moment, that is when my life began to change about being the people pleaser or the enabler, and it is okay to say no, it's okay to say I can't do that right now, it's really hard with your family, um, your friends, your loved ones, anyone that you get involved with, it's really hard because you want to be there and you want to help them. But it's okay to say no, especially when you're not able to because again, you will be burned out and you will miss your blessing. And I really felt like, you know, I miss my blessing, you know, when I would, would overdo something and then grumble to God or to someone else on the way home. And it's okay to say no when it conflicts with God's word. Because sometimes people will ask you to do things and you're like, "Eh, no, that's not biblical. I can't be a part of that. And um, it's okay to say no because we need to have some downtime. We need to be refreshed. And the funniest part about that during COVID, uh, my husband and I, we had eight, all eight. um, Our ninth grandchild is in Europe. Otherwise, we probably would have had that one, too. But during COVID, we had all eight grandkids at our house homeschooling from high school down to kindergarten. I taught my um, kindergarten um, daughter, granddaughter, how to read. I mean, everything. You were mother, father, teacher, the science. I mean, just everything. And we did that for a year and a half. And so now we're having some downtime for that. And um, so it's okay. It is okay to refresh yourself, because if you don't, you're not going to have anything that you can give to someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, last question. We made it to our last question, ladies. All right, um, we've talked about being a helper, but now let's talk about how you are being helped. Bonnie, you want to be the first one to answer? Me? Mm-hmm. Wow. Is that still on? Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> um, how am I being helped? I think I'm really being the most blessed in this season by the, the sisters that God has sent alongside of me to um, kind of do life together. Um, I have been tremendously blessed by the church, the church, the people, the body of Christ. I have been several seasons in my life, several other places I've lived where I simply didn't have that. I felt like the Lone Ranger. I felt like there's not somebody I could call right now to take this screaming child. Um, there's not somebody I I can trust. And so the Lord has abundantly blessed me here with that. And I am very, very grateful for it. Um, it did require on my part, some stepping out, some risk taking some, you know, that awkward kind of first couple conversations. I don't really know you. Do you want to have coffee? Do you want to come over? Which I know doesn't always come naturally to everybody, but, um, the way that he has um, blessed me in my life through the sisters in Christ that, that walk alongside of me in and out of my everyday life has been a, a tremendous blessing.
0: And like you said, you have the work to get that. It's not, you're not just going to have it. So I would encourage ladies, if you don't have that, seek it out and find it. Because it's out there. It may take a couple of trial and errors, but it's out there. Melanie, do you want to answer that one for us too? No. Does
2: anybody else have an answer for that one, Charlotte? Are you prepared for this one? We didn't think we'd make it this, but we did. Okay. I'm being. Is it okay? I'm sorry. So I am being helped as well. Um, Difficult seasons um, after COVID, very tough. This is very emotional. The one thing that comes to mind, I lost my mom a long time ago, and when I say that, um, it was because she came down with dementia. So getting married the second time, dealing with the kids, and I didn't even know this was going to happen, so please forgive me. Um, I really didn't have anybody here at the church that I felt close enough to talk to, and Stephen Michelle lived behind us in Moore County. And they've since moved here to Fayetteville. But I know Bianna Shaq Fidel. God put her in my life. Because she was able to speak to me what a mom would do in situations that I was going through. And she loved on me and she still does, and some of you, if you come to 8:30 service you would see her hug me and kiss me as as if I was just her own. And so I say to all of you, it's so important to be a part of a church body, to have, uh, get involved, to be here, uh, make yourself friendly so that you can make friends. But just with that help of her helping me emotionally and physically, and I remember telling her I was so distraught, that I couldn't go back and my father had prostate cancer and he needed to let the house go. He needed to sell it. Uh, My mom was put in a facility and I remember how because we had all the kids I couldn't go and I was so upset and when I went to her and Whenever she would open her mouth of wisdom to speak to me, it was like God was speaking to me, and it would just calm my spirit. And I was like, but I wanted to go. I wanted to be there. And she goes, but God didn't have that for you. Because if he did, he would have made it way. And so just to have those people in your life. And then our church family, um, various ones, whether it was Pastor Sean or the deacon board, or various ladies in our family, in our church family now, that are helping with our grandchildren. I couldn't have done it and I know that it is God and so I praise God for being here and I praise God for the people that he put in my life. And the one thing I remember, uh, Mr. Warren, his wife is here, that he said to me one day because I felt like, even though I know that quitting is not an option, I'm going to be brave, I'm going to be strong, I'm not going to want, ask anybody or need anybody, but I remember just before my surgery at Christmas, he was saying to me, he said, Charlotte, you have got to let people help you. Mm -hmm. And when I opened the door to that, it's like God just blessed with a flood of blessings for not only me, but our whole entire family. So just remember, too, yes, we can be strong. No, we don't want to appear weak. But that was very, that was, oh, my gosh, to allow people to help you. And knowing this church being here and interacting with them, they genuinely love you. They genuinely care about your children, your home. And we have found that whether it was through BBA and me being a fourth grade teacher or any of the other ways that God has used the deacons and the elders to speak in my husband's life and to speak in my life.
0: I know that was hard for you, Charlotte, so really thank you. But, um, just so what she's saying is that we need to be looking for people we can help and then we need to let people help us. So, um, Yes, maybe this week I encourage you to find someone you can help and if someone offers to help you, let them help you. All right, we are going to um I hate to end off that. That was thank you panelists, that was really good. Let's give them a round of applause.